pity she does not exist To shame he's not a fag The only girl I ever loved was Andrew and Greg There is no hope of love for me For here on I go stag The only girl I'll ever love is Andrew and Greg Andrew and Greg Podcast for the week of September 20th. My name is Justin Hurd. My name is Nathan Steinman. Skyler Deal. And fuck my face. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, how's everybody doing? Uh, surviving. Okay. We, we, we survived another September 11th without uh, some whack job doing something too stupid. Too stupid, I mean. That it made national news and made people scared for their lives again. Mm-hmm. I, I actually, I was so in phone center mode with my um, jo- new job that I did not pay attention to anything on the news. I don't have cable, so I just worked. Nobody answered the phone, so that might have been something. That might have been why I had such a bad day on Friday. Probably. But, <laughs> you know, at least in that respect, I just kind of, I, I was, wasn't even on Facebook where you can have all the posts of, oh, yeah. The, Never forget. Yeah. Even the, though there's lots of stuff we forget. Well, one of my um, friends, Ryan, she um, posted a thing about, hey, I kind of failed this year because I forgot. Wow. And she, she she was living in New York at the time. Not New York City, but living in the state of yeah. um, at the time. And so she has this long blog post <laughs> about like the weird things she remembers because she was in eighth grade, you know. You know, Nintendo released Super Mario Maker on the 11th of September. They made that very clear. <laughs> not, not, not September 11th. We're going to use yeah. this European dating system because screw those Americans. And the thing is, they're trying to coincide it with September 10th, which is officially the 30-year anniversary of Mario, which is crazy. I turned 31 at the end of this month, and Mario's been around for 30 years. Yeah. It's the, so much of our life. And the, the one thing I did remember is that my buddy Bryce, it, September 11th is his birthday. So the first thing I did whenever I got to work and went, oh shit, today's September 11th, was message him. And <laughs> I forgot about the rest of the day. I was <laughs> good to go. I mean, See, the, the school that I substituted at, it was the very first thing on the announcements. <sighs> okay, well, Let's I, remember I, the victim. I honestly like, can't remember. I can't... I can't even. I can't. I can't say anything because back whenever it was the um, countdown for John Stewart on the Daily Show, hmm. like it, it was like September first on the stuff, and I couldn't wait, so I just pulled up YouTube and pulled up when they came back from um, after September 11th, like ten days later, in yeah. their first show, and going through his thing, and I was like, I sorry, I couldn't wait to see what the reaction was at this time, yeah. and. It was still, you know... I, st- I haven't watched that that episode since... Everyone's reactions there. to September 11th, though, when it happened, I look back on it and just remember a lot of different opinions, of course. One that stands out to me, though, was the South Park's reaction to it. <laughs> oh, yeah. They went straight to Afghanistan and killed Osama bin Laden. <laughs> well, but they also went straight after the <laughs> nationalism football... 
Mm-hmm. You know, like all the football metaphors that they used in that episode. Being like, our team's going to win. No, our team's going to well, win. The, the thing I had read up on just to stay on the Daily Show tip was somebody kind of going back and saying, you know, we're watching, you know, they did just a straight marathon of every show Jon Stewart was oh, on. Oh, God. And we're just like, really? The show didn't get good until, honestly, until September 11th. Like, it was just kind of, you know. And then the presidential it was lo- elections it later. It was lobbing that, softballs. Yeah. It was doing all this stuff. You know, they had the elections beforehand, but even yeah. then it wasn't really anything. And that's kind of where it went. Well, it wasn't until two- the 2004 election that it really, like. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, my, still my favorite episode of Jon Stewart is when he was talking to the guy from Mad Money. Um. Oh, the the <laughs> crazy guy from the commercials. The, the it was um the guy from like the guy that does the stock exchange stuff. Yeah, on, yeah. Oh, 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 okay. I th- oh, you mean that one guy with the glasses that runs around yeah. with the yeah, bug? Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> the no, guy. No, I was, no, thinking, I, I was of. thinking what I don't remember exactly what the guy's show was, but he had him on. He's a guy who looks like he kind of looks like a Louis C.K. kind of cheap oh, yeah, version yeah, yeah. of Louis C.K. Yeah, and he's he, in the, one of the Iron Man movies, right? Iron Man Two. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that, <laughs> it's that guy, and he had him on the show. And it was the first time I had actually seen Jon Stewart super serious. Like, he went in with his A-game, and it it just was tearing the guy to shreds. It was just like, it's not a fucking game. You're playing with people's lives. And the guy who runs it, he's just, I I, I, I run an entertainment show. That's just what it is. And, like, just completely dressing him down. And I went, honestly, that is what I want from Jon Stewart. Yeah. Is I, I love the poking fun. I love the weird, absurdist stuff that they do there, but I really do want him to have a, you know, it's the newsroom Will McAvoy sort of thing. Yeah. Like I want somebody who takes this seriously. You know, you have the right amount of political humor bent, but I but, want somebody who actually knows what they're talking about. Yeah, and will take people. You know, well, but someone who's uh, has enough. Ability to one dissect the logic, right? Uh, two looks at their own argument and sees the holes in there enough to know that okay, I know the, what I say is ridiculous, but holy shit, you're even more ridiculous than I am, right? Well, I mean, there He's was done a, that several times, yeah. yeah. And, th- and well, there was, was a, what was so great about the Bill O'Reilly feud is right. like most of the time, every time they call out them, they go, yeah. That was stupid. That was ridiculous. I was wrong there. I was wrong. Here's your counter wrong. <laughs> you know, like here how. Well, I know in the lead up know. to him leaving was which I I I think the new guy started this week. I don't even know who the no, guy is. No, I think is. it's the last week. It's Trevor okay. Noah. And it, it's, it's the last. Uh, well, okay. So Stephen Colbert started his thing, Stephen and then Colbert. Trevor starts at the end of the yeah. month. Okay, and uh, um, somebody else starts. Some, there's another person who starts their thing also. Okay. Well, um. Well, it, there was a poll um, a couple of years ago that I remember that it was just like, okay, what news organization do you follow? And it, there was, you know, The Daily Show, there was Bill Maher, and then there was Fox, CNN, MSNBC, all this stuff. And they asked them about the current issues. And the thing they found was the people who followed the comedy news shows knew more about the issues than anybody who actually watched normal news. And we're more informed about what was going on than anything else. Because they're dissecting the right. news, which means that you're getting to the arguments and not worrying about, oh, look at Kim Kardashian. You know, I mean, like, yeah. you're leaving all of the 
the non-story. Like, they leave all the non-stories out. Right, They just right. leave them out. Like, they don't cover them. They don't mention them. They don't do... Like, they might make a joke about them in reference to something else, or it's a play on words of something that's in pop culture. But other than that, they leave all the non-stories out. Which is which is why it makes it's just so fun to, you know, know I'm watching comedy news. I say non-story, and that like that feels like such a Donald Rumsfeldian thing. <laughs> it's still a story. It's just right. a meaningless story. Right. I mean, it's the you know one of the podcasts I listen to is uh, Hollywood Babylon. Oh yeah, and I, I, they do theme songs for all the celebrities, and they had a Kim Kardashian. And for a long, you know, they used to do Kim Kardashian stories every single time, and eventually they came up with a theme song, which was Kim Kardashian, Kim Kardashian, who gives a fuck? Yeah. Well, and, and then they finally... And well, yeah. and, and, well, and they had, well, the, the and you know where I'm going with this, <laughs> but they also then started, you know, you know, they were like, oh, you know, real reality celebrity Kim Kardashian. And I went, no, what? No. She is fuck tape star Kim Kardashian. <laughs> that's that's where everybody knows her from. Is that she had sex with somebody? She had sex with Ray J. She had sex with Ray J. <laughs> which to me is still just an amorphous somebody. But you know, I know that Ray, actually that actually Randy's means some brother. Okay, so so that gives me some context. But anyway, so all she, the '90s kids went Brandy. <laughs> is she still alive? Yes, I, I think know. she just yeah. retired. From she played at uh, Creek Nation Festival a couple years ago. Oh, she did <laughs> here in Oklahoma. I thought she retired. So, <laughs> so they started referring to her as Fuck Tape Star Kim Kardashian with the same thing, and then we had the guy who recently just went. I'm not talking. I'm not talking about Kim Kardashian anymore and got up and walked off stage yeah. and then was continuing to rant and he said it was a it joke. Left his mic on. Yeah, his <laughs> mic was still on and he was ra- like, who cares? Yeah. And then on a, on a news show. Yeah. Like he's off screen yelling at his fellow people. <laughs> I I oh man, it's hilarious. Uh, but yeah. the thing is is that afterwards he's like, Oh yeah, it was just totally it was a bit. It was a bit. You know, not trying to seem like he had actually... <laughs> no, it wasn't. Become, he probably really felt yeah, that right. way. So, <laughs> he just didn't want to get fired. So at that point, Hollywood Babylon said, you know what? I oh. agree with him. We are no longer going to talk about Kim Kardashian, and they have not. His name is Ralph Garman. Well... He is not Hollywood are, Babylon. They are, are Hollywood. Are you sure that it's not Frank Garman? Yeah, it's it's Ralph <laughs> Garman. Oh, what was that guy's name again? <laughs> 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 Sorry, Kevin Smith. Uh, I know you're listening to us, of I course. Hope so. Yeah, I'm sure in all the endless hours of podcasting, he also has a podcast in his ear right, to every other podcast <laughs> while he's talking. I, I, I am I am a uh, fan of the Garmy. So, anyway. I'm off and on with him. He, there's some things he says that just, I'm just like, uh... See, I, I've, I've never stopped with that. In fact, I had to... Um, I mean, it doesn't offend me. It's just like, I, mean, I just get uncomfortable. <laughs> it's like most comedians, it's like, when they start going into the uncomfortable, I'm like, ah, 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 and it's got to get pretty bad before I'll be like, okay, I'm done. Because I, I still love Doug Stanhope, and he's completely, most yeah. of his act is incredibly uncomfortable. To, I'm, I'm trying to think know. of the, if there has been a comedian recently at like um, Katie and I used to watch comedians comedy specials all the time and I've kind of fallen off that and it kind of you know when you have kids you can't have those on all the time anymore because yeah. of the stuff they might pick up and so I haven't watched it in a while but I can't the only one that I really remember not liking is Louis CK 
Um, I think I still own it even. I think it's Shameless, and it's the one where he has the joke about a bag of dicks. Oh, oh his classic joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but just for some reason, that comedy special does not hit with me at all. Like every like I love the fact that he just turns around jokes all the time and is constantly working on new material and has complete <laughs> comedy specials to fill out the new material. And I love 95% of it except for that freaking special. And I think that's actually the special Katie bought me. <laughs> which makes I think it it's great. the one before that that has that made him. Probably. Before, I yeah. think it's the one before that. It's the H I can't well, I, the I title was, of it. Um the the one that like broke him from being like everyone's respected comedy person to mainstream to, right. Louie. See, I, I was a big fan of Lucky Louie. Because um, I think those happened around the same time. Well, Lucky Louie was early 2000s. Like he did Lucky Louie, Lucky Louie, and then that next comedy special was. Is that one he self released, right? No, no, no. That no, was no. Five years later. Yeah. Oh, that, oh, oh. He did th- like two or three HBO specials in a row, and then he did the one where he released. I think it was 2009 or 2010 when he did mm. the one where he released it by himself and started that whole kind of trend of... I like that. Uh, I can't remember which one he did, if it was the HBO special or what, but that one where he goes... He's talking about Steven Spielberg auditioning girls to play that little German girl that yells, Goodbye, Jews! <laughs> he goes, I want you to say it like you really mean it now. <laughs> Goodbye, Jews! He can come up with stupid stuff like that. That's why I like Louis yeah. C.K. sometimes. Well, it's just <laughs> that one or the one about the 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 cherub angel in the fountain that's peeing or something like that. Oh yeah. Oh god. I can't remember all. I of can't them. remember him either. But, but the, <laughs> the the thing that amazed me was like watching the pilot of Louis and being like, "Holy shit, this is really good!" And the fact that he basically went to the network and said, "Give me two hundred thousand dollars to make a pilot." Like he was just like, no, 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 no. I'll do it all myself. I'll hire the crew. I was like, I'll write it. I'll hire the crew. I'll do this. I'll take care of all of it. Just give me the two hundred thousand dollars. They gave it to him. They loved the pilot. And I'm kind of like, I like that kind of mode of just being right. like, just fuck let it. Me do it. Let me do it. Let me show you what I can do. There's a great the thing joke I, the of her thing, running off and jumping into the helicopter. I mean, that was probably a forty thousand dollars scene, right. but it was so perfect because you weren't, you didn't see it coming, you weren't expecting it. it. The the and the thing I love is that in that first season, there is a episode where he's trying to pitch his show to somebody, <laughs> and they just get up and walk to another table <laughs> and sit down with somebody else and start talking to them. And you're like. Okay, yeah. If he had done that, that's exactly what yeah. would have happened, yeah. and not be this amazing show that we have now. This show it, feels is it the un- second or third season where he gets offered the Late Show that has all the episodes. Of that, would be, that would be that would be third season because I've season. only seen second season. I, I specifically jumped to those at one point because I was like, David Lynch was in Louis Louis show, and then, oh man. I know his show feels real personal sometimes, and well, but, uh, almost to an uncomfortable point. Well, that, that's, which that's what I, I like. That's what I liked about Lucky Louie because the idea mm. of Lucky Louie was literally him. Well, it was. Um, I can't remember the actress's name. The one that he's always trying to hook up with in Louie. I, I can't remember. But you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. She does the voice of Bobby in King of the Hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they were married in Lucky Louie, and had two girls, and. 
you know, the the one thing I really remember from that one is that there's a point where the girl is gonna sh- is showing their parents or you know showing Louie and what's her face, um, her dance routine, and she turns it on and it's the lick my back, lick my ass, and my crack, you know, <laughs> thing, and she's dancing and they just run across the room to turn it off, like that sort of humor there. So well, lucky, lucky Louie, I absolutely loved. I just wish it hadn't ended after one season. I, I, I like the fact that also with Louie is he's created because of what he's done. IFC has kind of taken that model, and with Marin and with because uh, Mark Marin has his own show where he's basically a podcaster, and it's mostly a more real life kind of stuff. But as he says, it's me about five years ago <laughs> when I was a bigger <laughs> asshole and, you know, gave less of a shit and, you know, wasn't, didn't think about other people as much. <laughs> but uh, from what I've seen of Marin, it's, I've watched probably four or five episodes and I'm like, this is pretty good. And apparently they do like two episodes in a week. Mm. Like they'll shoot like 10 episodes in a couple, just a couple weeks. And I've seen it's like, Oh, holy crap, that's amazing. And they've done it with... Uh, Jim Jeffries has his own show. The, really? Um, Garfunkel and Oates have their own show. Yeah. I love the Garfunkel and Oates girls. <laughs> I've watched, a lot, of, a lot uh, of shows are coming out, though. I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Well, just but a new model of like just giving comedians or entertainers of any kind their own space to just do here one. pet no. project well like shows where some comedians make shows with other people like broad cities one that i really like yeah. very or, good or, is, is brett's did they start as an improv group the way we're like workaholics and uh i don't the know the state people did <laughs> you would think they do because they work so well off each yeah i'm just God, that show's so there's fun. just so many like the things that are more usually ensemble cast out of yeah. comedy they usually came out of like improv right right uh so what have you guys been consuming, Skylar? Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck my face. Uh, <laughs> Skylar, what have you been? Um, okay, Netflix, um, you know, they're really trying to bust out with their original content, and some of it's really good, like Daredevil and whatnot. Uh, there's this one that I read online that was really highly rated, and it, now it's popping up. First thing I see, it's called Narcos. 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 Yeah. Uh, we started watching it while waiting for Mad Max to load onto my PS3 because I rented it off of the network, PS Network. We watched like three episodes of it. That show is cool. Um, it's all about um, the Colombian drug lord. <laughs> we are officially brain fried. <laughs> he almost face pumped. Oh man, why did I forget his name? Anyway, it's it's based off the true events of this DEA DEA agent who went undercover. Um, Also, he's there in, I believe, Colombia, and he's trying to get this guy. And it's it's really good backstories, uh, and it's taking place, I think, in like eighties, definitely the eighties, maybe eighty nine. and a lot of there's a Pablo lot of Escobar. yeah Pablo Escobar there's a lot of narration in it um it it's really good and it's a lot of there's like one actor in the whole series that I recognize it's this um Mexican actor I've seen him in Boogie Nights uh I forgot his name 
<laughs> but uh, uh Louis Guzman? Yeah, him. Um whatever. He's in it. it, it it's pretty it's, it's it, I'm interested in watching the rest. I think it's like 10 episodes. Um but it's got good ratings at least from what I've seen, you know, on the five star chart on Netflix. Like four and a half almost five stars. So, uh Narcos, pretty pretty cool series. <clears throat> also, um I finally watched Francis Ha. I still need, I still need to see that one. And it's um pretty good. Uh you know, the the only other movie that comes to mind that I saw from Noah is Squid and the Whale. Um Noah Baumbach. Yeah. And um Francis Hall is really good. So it, uh before you continue, I just listened to the Mark Marin interview with Peter Bogdanovich. Mm-hmm. I haven't really seen any of his movies, which I felt kind of bad because when he mentioned the movies that he's directed, I was like, why haven't I seen, like, Last Picture Show? And Because you're a horrible person. No, it's just because there's 70s movies and not all of 70s movies have I seen. Uh, but Because you're a bad person. Just shut up. Uh, but one of the things he said was that Wes Anderson and Noah Baumbach, they actually call him pop, uh, Papa because... And Quentin Tarantino doesn't call him Papa, but like they all feel like their movies spring out of his, and that he was a big influence on, and he encourages them and reads their scripts and stuff. So, and um, you know, I I really like that they filmed it in black and white. Um, to me, it because of that, and I think I saw a cell phone in it or something, but it almost feels like it's not in the current time period, which. The story, I don't really know if they're talking about what specific decade it takes place in, but a lot of people say it's a hipster movie right now. You know, they're saying it's about New York hipsters. But I don't see any hipsters in it, to be honest. Uh, what it reminds Are me of Are they disguised is, as millennials? They could be. <laughs> but none of them look like it, in a way. They all, it looks like something from IFC in the late 80s and early 90s. It okay. looks almost like Jim Jarmusch, you know. And it's good. Name and we'll bring up again in this podcast. <laughs> and <laughs> it, um, they say it's part of this, um, like, kind of underground uh, genre of films uh, that all these directors kind of have uh, that are all, God, it's some kind of slow, like a movement, underground independent film movement um, that this is part of, Francis Ha. But anyway, I finally watched it, and I really liked it. I enjoyed it. And the last thing I consumed, uh, I, I finished watching it the other night, is um, Pitchfork, the really polarizing music review website. They do some cool content on there, and they have these things called Pitchfork Classics, which they kind of make like a mini documentary about albums, you know? Like, I watched one they did for Modest Mouse, second album, The Lonesome Crowded West. But they did one, a new one that I watched, and it's for Savlaki, which is the second album by Slow Dive, a shoegaze band that I really, really love. Slow Dive? Yeah, Slow Dive. Um, Creation Records, the label that signed, like, Oasis and oh. Jesus and Mary Chain and My Bloody Valentine, they found, like, bands like Ride, Teenage Fan Club, and they got Slow Dive, and... Slow Dive's album, their EPs were like really mega popular. And then when their first album came out and the second one, they got terrible reviews because right when those came out is right when Britpop exploded, like Blur oh. and Oasis. So they got canned, you know. But the, that 
album Slacky is amazing very atmospheric and the documentary just talks about the whole like process of how they made it, and they interview people from the band actually like every member and um really cool i got into shoegaze like super hardcore in college by accident actually you know i like a, I, I like a lot of elements of shoegaze yeah because it kind of reminds me a little bit of no wave punk stuff yeah like as far as like that where there's depending on the band there's an aesthetic or there's not an aesthetic you know it's just like we're going to create as many different sounds as possible but like when shoegaze kind of hit oklahoma city you could definitely tell like people were trying to emulate specific bands as opposed to uh as opposed to actually like create their own sounds which is kind of what shoegaze was all about uh, same with No Wave. It's all about just creating your own style like and your own shoegaze, lo-fi, dream pop. There's a band from Oklahoma called Esther Drang, which uh, there used does to be a band it. called the Non. The Non. Oh yeah, they were totally trying to definitely be shoegaze. Local, woo. Um, yeah, shoegaze. You know, for some reason, I I call myself a shoegazer. I don't make the music, but it's it like inspires my. Uh, like my re- you know, resurgence and stare, and, con- stare at your converse. Yeah, I, I can sit there and stare at a piece of paper and draw on it now and listen to that music in the background and ignore it, but it swirls around because the music is like, it's like you're hearing color and seeing sounds. You know, I kind of describe shoegaze as that because it, it's just beautiful noise. Yeah. And it's, it's um, more about texture than yeah, layers, and that's how I like to paint and draw. I've gotten back into it because of that music I love. And uh, shoegaze had a definite influence on like metal bands like ISIS. Oh, the like, that, like the know? post metal, the whole black post, gaze. Like there's a lot rock, of post metal stuff. Like you know? um, there's a band called Alcest. Um, they do black metal shoegaze. Yeah. And um, it's it's kind of an interesting. It's yeah, (laughs) very interesting. Uh, There's an album called Sunbather by a band called. I am sorry, I forgot their name. Anyway, it's just like blood curling screams with like beautiful (laughs) shoegaze in the background. So it's 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 kind of exactly. where the genre had to go. Yeah, and, you know, they call it New Gaze also. These are all genre names. Like, New Gaze is bands that kind of came out in the 2000s, like the Radio Department, M83, um, The Pains of oh, Being Pure it. at Heart, I love M83. M- Crocodiles. Is this M83 or M83? I, I don't know. I can't ever remember. I, you know, I was actually listening to him on the way over here. Um, their first album's all pretty much electronic. And then their second album, they started putting vocals in, and then the guy's partner left, and it was just the one guy. Yeah. And like their third really, album is really good. The third and fourth, man. Y- yeah. Oh, yeah. The fourth album. That's the one I haven't heard, but the third album is like straight up That's the tribute to the eighty. The double album, right? Yeah, yeah. The one with the the one song that really made him really popular yeah. on it. But like which, the song, which I did no idea. Yeah. Even though it was really popular, I had no idea that that was the band. Apparently, it was in a commercial. Like yeah, I some, think so. Like a, some <coughs> Infinity or yeah. Honda commercial or something. Like the song Teen Angst off his second album is just amazing. In the layers, and you can see where the shoegaze influence comes in. And the vocals, the kind of soft vocals over harsh noise. That's why I love shoegaze. And um, listening to it with a really good pair of headphones. Yeah, it's very headphone heavy music. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I'm always consuming shoegaze. And that's it.
Just, Justin, are you okay over there? Words. You're you're okay with words? Words. You're okay <laughs> with words. They mean things. Good. I'm the glad. rock star is wearing off, man. <laughs> but. Yeah, that, that's my uh, con- consummation. Yeah. Consum- yeah. We, we, yeah. We, we, we wanted to make sure that uh, that uh, Skyler got his pardon because he can't say the whole time. So <laughs> feel free to comment, by the way, on things that we probably jump back and forth. Uh, Justin, do you want to go next or do you want me to go next? Uh, it doesn't matter. Okay. Nathan, what have you been consuming? Uh, well, the first thing that I've been consuming Assuming was a movie called A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Uh, I want to watch this movie, but the title trips me up every single time I talk about it. I don't know why what it is. So the biggest thing, okay, it might be the Home Alone middle part of of it. Like I'm not, I'm not gonna like, I'm not gonna spoil it because there's there's very few times I, unless we've all seen the movie, that I will actually spoil the movie completely. The biggest thing is that it's a vampire film more than a horror film. Um, are we? Th- is that like? Um, oh, what was the Jim Jarmusch um, movie? I haven't seen the Jim Jarmusch movie, <coughs> so I don't know. Uh, with it, that one with Tilda Swinton. Yes, man, I saw that trailer once. I want to see that movie. I've watched it. It so. actually, this actually came out the same year as that movie, um, 2014, but. The interesting thing is, is only lovers left alive, and it came out in two thousand thirteen. Thirteen, okay. So, so the next year, hmm. whatever. Interesting. But the director, who is Anna Lily Amirpour, who is an Iranian American director. This is an Iranian film shot entirely in California. As you do? In black and white. Of course. Using signs in Farsi and Arabic, you know, uh, to make it look like in a fictional city that doesn't exist. Uh, the biggest thing is that the vampire wears the uh, chador, which is a type of Muslim wrap of the face, head, and lays over the shoulders like a cape. Uh, and traditionally, it's actually held by the female over their body as they walk. In this movie, she lets it float freely and stuff. The director, uh, writer director, uh, talked about in an interview I watched was that uh, she was working on a different short film, and during the process of the, the short film, she just came. She had, she had put on the charter, and she was like, "Oh, like she had this idea of." a vampire riding around in this riding a skateboard (laughs) and this is like a principal kind of imagery of the movie it's very much David Lynch influence it's very much Jim Jarmusch influence but it's also very much John Hughes and Quentin Tarantino influence in certain ways now the Quentin Tarantino might be through the lens of Sergio Leone because it is kind of a western vampire western that takes place in a pseudo modern world but the thing is is the imagery is striking the music is incredible uh there's some humor in there that is really deep (laughs) 
there was references to way older movies all you know to direct the there was a little bit of references to the hammer dracula movies and there's a little bit of reference to even like nosferatu and things like that but it's not like super heavy-handed and it doesn't over explain things which i kind of like is the fact that it leaves a lot of it to your imagination to fill in the gaps but watching the interview she has like a time map of the vampire's entire history as you should even though like you don't touch on uh-huh. almost any of it in the movie but technically it should be around 10% you know you know everything but only 10% ever comes into play yeah yeah but uh but the thing is is like it it feels very much the world itself in the movie feels very lived in. Uh, it actually, like, when I was watching it, I was like, this really feels like an 80s movie. In a good way. Like, not in a bad way. Like, an independent 80s movie? Yeah, like an indie 80s movie. Like, even though she even says, like, one person asked her, like, why are you so attracted to horror? And she was like, do you really think this is a horror movie? I mean, I think it's a vampire film, but, like, in some ways, I feel like it's more John Hughes flick, which the way she uses music fits more John Hughes and Jim Jarmish. Well, I'm surprised that you're talking about this movie because when I was talking about Francis Ha and reading up on this whole like like film uh, underground scene, this movie was mentioned. Oh yeah, too. Yeah, uh, and that's that. Like Francis Ha is on my queue to watch because yeah. There was this list of top 15 films, which several have been movies that Justin's talked about, like The One I Love and mm-hmm. uh, things like that, and The Hunt and other things like that, where you, that you've mentioned in passing or specifically on the podcast. Right. Uh, there were a couple of those movies. The Duke is on there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But there were also, you know, indie comedies and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And this list kind of... like I wanted to watch this movie when I heard about the movie happening. Just the fact that there's an Iranian-American director who's a woman who's making movies. Yes, I want to see what your first movie is. Mm-hmm. I want to see it. This I is wanna, her first movie? Yes, yeah, her first full-length feature film. Uh, she's actually in the process of filming her second feature which has some kind of big names attached to it, so I don't know how good this movie is going to be. <laughs> Supposedly a cannibal movie. Hmm. Is there a sequel to this? It's called, like, Bad Habits, I think. Isn't that the name of a Peter Jackson movie? There is a Peter Jackson movie called Bad Habits. Oh, okay. Bad Habits, but this is a different... Oh, okay. Uh, it's not a remake. <clears throat> Interesting. But, uh, so, Justin, what is uh, something that you have been consuming oh, so we're gonna just jump back and forth on this one well i i, I feel like we were we were saving skylar the headache of okay. trying to fit this okay. stuff in so um <laughs> hey hey we took we we talked too long just deal with it terror okay. vision have you seen terror vision no have you seen terror vision skylar? never heard of it me either <laughs> yeah i, 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 I was i was floating through the ether of amazon see it actually sounds like an old trauma movie you know, hmm. it would it would fit very well. well like with terror that. firmer. Yeah. Um. Interesting. Yeah, I'm trying to find out what the actual year was. Killer condom. And the and, movies yeah, like and that. The, and the Peter Jackson movie was uh, Bad Taste. Bad Taste. Oh. 
So, Terrorvision came out in 1986, so the year I was born. Its IMDb synopsis is, A family's new satellite TV system starts receiving signals from another planet and soon becomes the passageway to an alien world. So is, the, so is that your, like, DJ voice? Ah, <laughs> uh, this is Justin's DJ voice. So I want you to know that this movie is so awesome. Because well, I, don't know. I have an IMDb synopsis. I used to do the uh, movie announcer voice at Blockbuster way back in oh, the day. Uh, just, <laughs> it just actually, it's in the world, in the world, both our cars are underwater. <laughs> a new wind is about to blow. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, water world, it, it, a Kevin it, Costner. It, it is so freaking over the top. What the fuck movie? That I mean. So, is there ever terror and vision? There, there is vision. And there, it's. Uh, I mean, because <laughs> I feel like so. It, so, uh, so the, the plot uh, synopsis is actually wrong because it says it's a passage passage to another world. It starts out with like enemy mind level graphics, like with the alien who is converting this monster into a video signal and beams it on into space, and it and then you see this family, which is it's a nineteen eighties middle whatever road the guy is sitting there putting together his own satellite dish with the guy who sold him the satellite dish standing there drinking a beer while the wife is trying to do yoga or whatever in her in her like full out spandex outfit. it was probably not yoga in yeah it wasn't but i but it, literally the video goes out immediately so you don't see what it is like my program's not working and so the guy's sitting you know the the father is trying to get the salesman to help him out. And he's like, the warranty doesn't cover me helping you out. It only does repairs. And then he starts banging on with a hammer. It's a weird fucking movie. Sounds but, like it. Um, the only person I really write... Like, there's one guy, um, Garrett Graham, was in a lot of stuff like used cars. Um, and the only other person I recognized is John Grease. Or however you say his name, I can't. He was Laszlo in Real Genius. Okay. He was Uncle Rico in um, Napoleon Dynamite. Okay. He was also. Oh, uh, he was in. Um, he's in everything. He was in that music video Rooster by Allison Chains. Okay. He was also in. Um, what's the John Travolta one where he's a gangster trying to get into the music industry? Swordfish. No. I'll find it. I have no idea what you're talking he about. Came, they came <laughs> up with two different ones. One was him getting into the music industry. That was the second one. That was the shitty one. There was one getting him getting into the movies. Um, <laughs> how do you guys not know this? <laughs> be, be Cool was one of them. And then... Oh, Be Cool. I, I gotta find... Fuck you. Fuck you guys. You don't know things. You're not my real dad. <laughs> anyway. Oh, is this another Elmore Leonard? Get Shorty? Get Shorty. That was it. Oh, okay. So oh. so John Grease was in Get Shorty as one of the I think thugs. I always forget that like Get Shorty was about the music business? No no that was about Hollywood. That was about Hollywood. Be cool okay. was the follow up which was also Elmer <laughs> Elmer Leonard. Okay. And it I the, never saw that Be was, cool. that was a flop. I never saw Be Cool so so I know I saw Get Shorty, but I think it's been twenty years. Television <laughs> is very fucking weird. Because at the like the daughter is super into MTV and has like five different shades of 
color in her hair. The boyfriend, the, her new boyfriend, which is OD, played by John Grease, is like looks like, you know, stepping out of a Kiss video or something like that. An eighties Kiss video or a seventies Kiss video? Uh, well, he's got the studs all down his arm. So eighties Kiss video. Yeah, and there, there's the grandpa who is trying to start a. Um, new food source by just eating lizard tails because it's a renewable food source. Wow. And then the little boy is military obsessed just like Grandpa is. All this add on top that the parents are swingers and bring over a couple and then it turns out that the guy who's swinging with the other so woman the, is actually gay and so, wants to swing so with the, the father. So the Terror Vision is actually the channel <laughs> broadcasting this terrible movie. <laughs> terror Vision! There, there, there's even a Elvira stand-in called Medusa that they wow. call into, and then she ends up showing up because they invite her over to the house, and she shows up, and there's a cop car there, which the cop has been killed, and all these people have been killed at different points in it. At one point, they befriend the monster, and the monster ends up falling in love with Medusa. Oh, my God. Dude. It's a weird this fucking movie. This movie hurts. This movie hurts. I can't put anything together about yeah, what you're talking look, about. I'm, I, I can't either, and it's really fucking weird. Like, the monster keeps appearing and is able to eat the people and then show up as the people, but the people are covered up in slime. So How'd you find this again? Amazon. Just Instant video. Like, 40 pages in, I found TerraVision and went, this sounds interesting. Click. Watched it. See, I think, I think that's the secret. It's 40 pages in. Yes. When he's like, seen it, seen it. Seen it. See, I have heard that there is a horror streaming service. Yes, um, I actually have signed up for that. Okay. It's called Shudder. Okay. It's $5 a month. Okay. So, I, I just know it exists. A civilization on a distant planet has found a way to solve its garbage problem, turning it into energy and beaming it into outer space. A flaw in this system is found when the signal is accidentally picked up on Earth by the Putterman family's home satellite dish. <laughs> While this would ordinarily be just another mess, this particular transmission contains a hungry trash monster who quickly begins snacking on the Puttermans and their guests. Only young Sherman Putterman has any clue what is going on, but nobody will believe him. Is there any hope for the Earth? Wow. Straight up midnight B movie material. Not even huh? joking. I don't No, I, I think this is like C D like e. trauma film trash kind no, of no, thing. No, no, like worse. This sounds worse than a trauma film. I I, I mentioned it to one of my buddies and he said, "Oh, I loved watching that as a kid." And I'm like, "How would you watch this movie because there's so much weird sexuality with like there's a whole middle but 30 you're a minute." Kid. I know, but there's a whole 30 minute thing about them swinging and but you're a kid. I know. It's just <laughs> you weird. You just gloss over. You, you phase out. You're probably thinking about G.I. Joe the whole time. And right. then it's like, it's like an action starts happening. You're like, woo, yeah, yay. I mean, I remember seeing the original Toxic Avenger at like 1 a.m. when I was a little kid. Yeah. And like the whole kid bicycle uh, paper boy getting ran over by the car. And I'm like, ha, 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 ha. You, know, and <laughs> you should do that laugh more often. Ha. Uh, 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 Nathan, what else have you been consuming? Uh, the next thing, so surprisingly, on the same list of fifteen movies on Netflix that you should probably watch, was a movie by David Wayne, member of the state, uh, director 
uh, Wet Hot American Summer. Okay. It's called They Came Together. It has Paul <gasps> Rudd oh, and oh Amy Poehler. Watch that. I was going to say. Oh, um, my God. Like, it's, Kelly Wan liked that movie. Uh, that's all I know. I died laughing. Like I, not not literally, figuratively. <laughs> well, I died now laughing. Means figuratively, so, so you're good. Yeah. So me and my wife enjoyed it. Was it was one of those movies where every couple of minutes there was a laugh out loud moment, like literally an actual laugh out loud <laughs> moment in I, a comedy movie where there were there were jokes where there was a visual element. There were jokes. Where there was a verbal element, there was a joke. Where there was some sort of physical element, <laughs> and all of those things would sometimes play into one long punchline. Like Paul Rudd shows up to his office. He's tossing the football with Jason Manzukis, which is the reason why you should watch this movie because Jason <laughs> Manzukis is actually in it. Jason Manzukis tossing the ball. Just Manzoukas catches the ball, falls out the window, is like holding on to the thing. Another Michael Ian Black comes in and starts having a conversation because he's Trevor. He's 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 one of the antagonists, and he obviously playing the antagonist. While Adam Jason Manzoukas so is still hanging out the window, the entire rest of the scene, and like there's there's so many scenes that are like that. This is one of the best, like farces i've seen in a long time it felt like that movie was just made for those people who were in it as a funny joke for all but of them. it also it didn't feel like a vanity project mm-hmm. watching it like it doesn't feel like oh this is an amy polar movie or oh this is a paul rudd movie it's like this feels like a bunch of uh, two comedians wrote a movie and they were like let's get all our comedian friends to play the actors michael shannon has a fucking bit part in it. It doesn't feel like a um, um, ensemble movie that you would see all those Judd Apatow guys so, in, though. It, fe- it, it has a lot of the same people. Yeah, like but it doesn't Judd feel Apatow. like a Judd Apatow kind of joint. It actually feels like a funny movie. Like, <laughs> one of the visual gags is, remember he's hugging that older lady? Um, I don't know if she oh, was his like... Grandma. His, oh, his grandma. grandma. <laughs> he's hugging her. And he's like... <laughs> Don't they start I making fuck up? Fuck you, Grandma. Oh, that's <laughs> awful. But like, so, so, so I, I guess my question is, I did not like Wet Hot American Summer. Well, I like this. I, I didn't really like Wet Hot American Summer. Okay. And I love this movie. It, it, it's the kind of humor that you would think you would see on like Mad TV or Living Color. I but at think. the same time, I would agree with more in Living Color. Like yeah. the tone, like it's way more tongue in cheek the entire time. Like it's. It's a farce, but it's a parody of romantic comedies. And every time there's a trope to subvert, you know where there's genre bending, genre bending, genre bending. I think you're so every time, genre bending. But uh, that's okay. But so every time there's a trope to subvert, they do the exact opposite of what you're expecting them to do. I like the whole little kid, like so. he like the kid thing. You gonna be my dad or something? Yeah. <laughs> like right in like the first two minutes? He's like. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> but it's it's one of those movies that like it's what is missing from a lot of satire and parody movies content a lot of satire and parody movies they have a lot of jokes and a lot of references no fucking content this actually has content there's some poignancy which amazed me because I was like, did, did I just 
did I just feel something because I was watching her? I mean, and and that and that's the big thing is Nathan. He never feels anything. Well, I'm just saying, like the way most comedy movies, like it feels more like it's in the tone of Hot Fuzz Hmm. than Hmm. it's in the tone of Wet Hot American Summer. Okay. When I watched it, uh, my wife was already. She just likes to pick stuff off Netflix. We don't have TV. We just watch Netflix and. I got to the part where I guess they're at a costume party and it's when they first meet. And I'm like, hey, that's Elliot from SUV or SVU, whatever. Yeah. And I forgot the actor's name. I always forget. But he's completely name. insane. And I'm like, that's awesome. Which is funny because, like, yeah. in, in their stuff, he's totally a comedian. S- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, Justin, what have, else have you been consuming? Well, we started consuming this together. Just, you know, nice, slow, and sensual like. Um,. What the fuck are you talking about? Pink Floyd's The Wall. Oh, The Wall, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know about nice, slow, and sensual. Well, it was immediate and uh, rather rather much your hand down my pants. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes... I, I walked like in like, on him. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally walked in and... Well, so, I was hanging out with a couple of my buddies last night, and they went... One of them went, I've never seen The Wall. And I went, we have to fix that. Apparently, you cannot stream The Wall on Amazon. Wow. I don't know why, so I went and rented it. Did the old school, you know, actually rent a DVD. You went somewhere? Yeah. Rented something? Yeah. That's still possible? Yeah. So, rented it, watched it last night, woke up today, (laughs) and watched it again. And then Nathan showed up, and I mentioned, hey, I've watched The Wall twice in the past 24 hours. I was like, I was like, wait. I've never really watched The Wall because for some reason, cult movie of Pink Floyd has evaded my presence. Yeah, so I sat down and turned on The Wall and we watched 45 minutes of it before Skyler walked in on us. And Well, well, my wife was here the whole time. She, she was watching with us. I'm not it sure. It was awkward. Yeah, so. I think it's still on right now. Well, it's paused right now. She's, no, that movie's just that long. <laughs> she, she, she's sucking on some fingers. She wants money. We're talking about the character in the movie, not my wife. <laughs> I don't. I don't think she would appreciate anyone telling her. Talking about the movie, the wall behind us paused on the TV. Yeah. <laughs> Still, yeah, I'm gonna finish it after you guys leave, even if it has to be by myself. It's late, Aww. Justin. Oh, <laughs> so okay, sad. So, so the thing I have to say is, no subtlety. No subtlety. None. No it, subtext. It, it is a fist to the face. Literally. Well, not literally. They can't yeah. reach through the TV. But do no, you, we were do you like the music, that. though? Figuratively, yes. Yes. Do you like the music? I, I love the music, except for, um, what's the guy's name? Bob... Geldof. Geldof. His... It looks like he's lip-syncing to it anyway. So why not have Roger Waters or whatever? Dave Gilmore, anybody. Yeah. Whoever, whoever's singing it. It was a Waters actually. joint, mostly. Yeah, it's ha- having them actually just <laughs> lip sync to the music, remix it, all that good stuff, and instead it's just over the top, whiny. It's really, really, it's weird. really flat, and it's really, really flat. And you're just sitting there cringing the entire time. It's going, going. This is not right. But everything else is pretty much it's just extended versions of what you hear in the wall. It's just a music video, like added into like a full length movie. It feels like you could cut the songs and make videos out of each part. I guess you could, if and you that, wanted. And that's part of what it does. I mean, the interesting thing about it is that ninety percent, ninety five percent of any dialogue that would be in the movie is muted. 
or you know just very very light like you have to turn it up super loud to be able to hear anything and then when actual music pops in it nearly blows out your speakers because you've been trying to hear what people going, are saying what's yeah what's, what's going the on story like, here well what's the character the development that, um, for the entire movie where's the fucking plot shut up um one of the, for, <laughs> in the movie, there is only one point where Bob Geldof actually has a line, for and it's a couple minutes past where we are right now, and he screams while the music is like at a crescendo. Take that, you fuckers! And everything else that's in the movie is straight from the wall, just with his really bad voice on top of it. So I've really enjoyed it. It's I've also watched the documentary about the making of, and it's just kind of funny, knowing how much everybody hated doing the movie. That it ever got tr- finished. That it got finished, and that in the documentary afterwards, or that they were filming during the time, they're just like, "Oh yeah, this is gonna, this is great." Da 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 da. It's like, no, you absolutely hated working with Roger Waters, like yeah. you know, and the director actually referred to it as the most expensive student film ever shot. <laughs> so, you know, that should tell you how much he despised being on it. Also should tell you how much footage they actually shot. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. They cut, they cut uh, Hey You out of there because it got too depressing. And they did say, Hey, we've been able to recover it, but it's all in black and white and it's the negatives. Okay. So I don't think anybody would mind based on the movie we got. Yeah, I mean, I mean, hey, we're approaching, you know, in, what, six years? We'll have the 40th, 40th anniversary. anniversary. So. Maybe they'll finally bring it out. Who yeah. knows? So, Nathan, what's the last thing you've been consuming? Uh, so, the last thing is I read a play by Arthur Miller called Death of a Salesman. A lot of people have possibly read it in their senior year of high school and AP classes. Mm. Um, I just finally read it. It's one of those scripts plays it's been made into a movie i think twice um it won the pulitzer prize in 1949 it won the tony award in 1949 it is fucking tony 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 it's it's incredible i still haven't seen it so the first act is a little rough to get through because you don't really know what's going on for a lot of it but the thing is is the character willie loman is an old man who's in his 60s, uh, and, and being in your 60s, 1949 was quite an old man at the time. Uh, thing is, is he's losing touch. He basically has Alzheimer's, from what I can tell. This is before you know we knew what Alzheimer's was. Right. But he begins to, as they refer to it, they refer to it as flashbacks, but the thing is, is characters in the play are hearing the one side of the conversation. So it's dementia. So it's dementia or Alzheimer's, and but the audience is hearing both sides. So it's obviously not flashbacks because we're hearing it, because the characters are hearing the one side. The thing is, is there are... It plays with time and location, and you have these overlapping overlapping periods of time there's actually a sequence where several flashback ghost like characters all overlay each other there's a woman who is laughing and then there's the uncle bill which is his brother who's coming when he's hasn't even had kids yet 
who's telling him about, hey, you should go to Africa and do this and blah, blah, blah. You'll get rich. And then skip to it's the scene with his kids about to graduate high school. And then while that's happening, like the woman comes in and kisses him and embraces him and then leaves the stage. And then it ends with his the brother coming back and going, you could go to Africa. You could be rich. You should go to, you know, trying to pitch him on selling him walking out and then it goes back into the the real time frame and it overlays all this without explaining any of it hmm. until the second act nice and there's all these like there's all these textures and layers about betrayal about human ingenuity about quote unquote the american dream i feel like it's less because about the american dream and just the about about the idea of success what is it like to realize at 60 you're still a failure? Because you've gone from making the most back to making the least. Because you're 60. Hmm. You know, what is that like? And, uh, you know, there's a lot about, like, your children are grown up, but they didn't succeed either. You know, they're still figuring it out in their mid-30s. You know, what is that like? What is that feeling like? What is the sensation of being an adult and having your son be successful and then fuck it all away and then your other son just be a fucking womanizing douchebag? You know, what is that like at 60 being like, this kid fucked up? To me, this kid fucked up even though in the context of the play, he's the least fucked up character in the whole thing. (laughs) He lies the least. He, you know, has an appreciation for what he's been through and what he's done, you know. But uh, I will say that it was one of those things that I think for years I just put it off. And it's the play that they put on in Synecdoche, New York. And I, because uh, I had read the script and they put on Equus in the original script that I read. And this was what was in the movie. And I was like, well, I'll go ahead and read both of them. And the first one, I finished with Death of a Salesman. And holy fuck. Like, I, I couldn't believe how good this was. And I remember I loved The Crucible. And I just, I guess I just forgot that Death of a Salesman was written by Arthur Miller. <laughs> but what an incredible play it's totally worth your time uh if you haven't read it or hadn't seen it or haven't uh, i'm gonna watch at least one of the movie versions and anytime next time there's a university or local theater i'm gonna go see that shit because it's totally worth it it just makes me think of uh, the movie the producers um the musical version the original or the the musical version the musical version the the superior version okay they're both musicals no. Yeah, they're both musicals. They sing and stuff in the first one. Okay, in the remake, because the first one is shit. No, the first one is great as well. Uh, it's I, completely I, I different. Could sta- I could not stand I it love at all. The f- I love the first one. Um, but in at the very end of the um, second one, they um, have Death of a Salesman on ice. <laughs> <laughs> is that like Jews in space? Yeah, it's the, just them showing all the different... So is that like, Machete 4? Machete on ice? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go, Robert Rodriguez. That was free. 
That was free. You probably shouldn't give him anything for free. <laughs> He'll fucking use that. Yep. Um, He's making machete in space. Of course he machete is. Machete kills in space. Well, I mean, we got Jason X, so. Yeah. What's worse? We also got Leprechaun in space. We've got we've had Pinhead in space. Yeah. Freddy so Krueger is the only one who hasn't gone to space. So next next nightmare nightmare <laughs> on Elm Street in space. Well, <laughs> on the moon. Well, Wes, Wes Craven's dead, so you can. They'll know. still make it. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you you can rape that corpse all you want. They will. So, my final thing I actually tried to talk about last time, and Nathan was like, "No, I'll watch it." And then he failed. I forgot. I, I fucking forgot. <laughs> so it was um, Lord of War with Nicolas Cage. Um, it's directed by uh, Andrew Nicole, however you say his name. Um, he did Gattaca, In Time. Um, he even did The Host, which was decent, if not just really That's the weird. Stephanie Meyer, The yeah. Host. Not the, the Korean host. one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I never realized he was the one who directed it, or else I would have watched it years ago. I have owned Lord of War on Blu-ray for probably the past five years. Holy Jesus! And just never watched it. I just knew I needed to watch it, and then never did. I ended up watching it. Actually, I may have watched it on Blu-ray. I'm not sure, but it's on Netflix now, so you guys should go watch it. It's kind of the Goodfellas, morally reprehensible sort of character, um, but in this movie, it is about an arms dealer. Played by Nicolas Cage. His younger brother is played by Jared Leto, who we will soon know as the Joker. Also Angel Face in Fight Club. Um, Who's just showed up in issue four of Fight Club 2. Oh, oh goody. Uh-huh. Um, Does his face still look all messed up? <laughs> so, um, Lord of War is just about this guy who is an arms dealer. What I like about it is that he basically is just like, you know, if somebody's going to have to supply them, you know, I might as well be the guy. Yeah. And it's chronicling all these years. The weirdest part is whenever Nicolas Cage at 41 is trying to portray a 29-year-old. Yeah, that's, that's probably a little weird. And the person who's his, going to be his future wife is I was I believe 36 at the time playing a 29 year old or 27 something like that just one of those really weird things nobody ever ages in the movie but they've aged according to the timeline of the yeah, movie yeah like oh hey they have kids now together cool he looks the exact same as he did at 29 years old when he was not 29 and you can you know actively <laughs> tell um and generally, what I like about it is it is that morally reprehensible character doing what he feels kind of needs to be done and everybody kind of having the plausible deniability. He tries bringing his brother in. His brother ends up kind of going off the deep end with Coke and then just disappearing and ultimately is the one who has a conscience about everything that's going on. You know, um, What I do like about it is Ethan Hawke shows up because Ethan Hawke and the guy the director, you know, they've been in ton- done tons of movies together. He shows up as the overzealous um, DEA agent who's trying to catch him. Whereas they'll do stuff where they, you know, will rename the boat as they're on it, as the DEA agents are coming to it to so that it's not the boat that they are going to, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. A um, lot of mixed deals. Um, 
trying to who was the villain in um from hell I don't remember he played old Frodo I know I mean old old Bilbo old Bilbo I don't remember his name right now I hate you face so much sorry I'm terrible with actor names most of the time anyway he's in there as a rival Ian Holm he is in there as a rival um arms dealer the opening of the movie this is why i write things down yeah yeah. um the opening of the movie is literally a um is literally a cg following a bullet through a russian manufacturer as it is put together shipped out put into it loaded into a gun and then used to kill a child so that should tell you kind of the point of view the movie has. Yeah. From the very beginning. Very nihilistic, it yes. sounds like. Yeah. yeah, just like, hey, you know, those kids are going to die. I might as well be the one to give them the bullet, you know. I've never, you know, never killed anybody. You know, everything I'm doing is completely legit. You know, I'll just sell guns to both sides. And him kind of getting um, in over his head with a dictator in South Africa. You know, that sort of relationship going on wow which is where you get the lord of war title from because he goes oh yeah i'm a lord of war he goes no it's a warlord i prefer it my way <laughs> uh a bath of blood it's a blood bath <laughs> i prefer it my way you know yeah do you have the gun um from rambo one two or three i've only seen the first one yeah i can get that to you <laughs> you know Stuff like that. Now, are you going to see this movie? Yes. Okay. We'll talk about the because I, I the last act of this. I realized that I put it in my queue to watch, <laughs> and then in the and and that was like when the podcast finally dropped. Right. I was like, oh yeah, I was supposed to watch this, and then there was one day where I had like maybe an hour, and then I was like, but it's a two-hour movie i probably won't get to it today and then i was like so i said you watched lucy no i didn't (laughs) watch anything uh and then the next day i worked like i sub substituted and then i had to and then like two three hours after i got off i had to work at the pizza joint and so i ended up like how watching half a sitcom and napping and eating dinner and then I went to work and when I came home it was 4.30 in the morning and I understand I just didn't end up watching it before well you know I, you know excuses there well no this is not excuses this is called it's called real life where uh, you know I, where I'm pretty sure you had like two or three weeks I you had three weeks I forgot for at least two and a half then that's so, there, there you go. And uh, I remember I asked, I was like, hey, uh, can we get those podcasts? And you were like, I have an internet for two weeks. <laughs> yep. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. And I, I'm not trying to be a dick. Real, no, but you are. I'm really not no, trying to be a dick. No, it's all good. Um, so, really enjoyed Lord of War. Kind of sur- I, I Actually, knowing the director it came from, I'm not surprised I liked it. I mean, as in I, time. I loved In Time. I loved Gattaca. <laughs> The, the only thing I did not like about End Time was the amount of time-related puns that they did throughout the, or, you know, nods to the... See, I feel like that kind of made the tone, like, make more sense, because this is just uh, yeah, he a serious movie, you he, know? He, 
Oh, you, you want especially with like the James Bond kind of poker. Yeah, well, kind of but but the early thing was like, hey man, you wanna you wanna gamble some? He doesn't have the time. <sighs> but as it, he's going to work at the same time as he, you know, just like the three layers of that yeah. comment, just especially because like at the end of his shift, he gets more time to go to the you know yeah yeah. So, because um, he literally doesn't have the time. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. And he also figuratively doesn't, doesn't have, have the, the time. time. And yeah. he also, this is a terrible pun. Yeah. Time. Yeah. So, um, well, uh, what I what I really need to do is adopt the Pendulette, um viewpoint on movies, which is anytime he's in the theater and they say something that is has the title of the movie in it. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I didn't do very much. What if this is as good as it gets? Yeah. I'm th- a ghost th- writer. There's a hacker in the system. <laughs> this is a story. You know, you know, uh, yeah. what, the, the this I, is our Independence Day. <laughs> my, my, my biggest issue was with the movie It Follows. Because they never say It Follows. But they do use variations of that where it's like it's following me <laughs> what, what are you saying there, there's something following uh, that's you all, <laughs> that's all you get yeah you, you, you get the half cup I guess you got you know Pink Floyd's the wall you every time just pulling down the wall <laughs> yeah so um, all day long there's just a, another brick in the wall <laughs> okay Okay, we're, uh, good. Right. we're good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> We've done this joke enough. <laughs> we have we have killed this joke. We kicked it. We, so, we so, kicked so, it into a pit. Speaking we of, shot it separately. Separate thing. Just mentioning Pendulette. I started rewatching Hackers today. Just nothing to talk about it. Love the movie, but for some reason, my lizard brain never put two and two together that Pendulette is the guy at the Gibson, the clerk there. Yeah. See, and for some reason, like even as a kid, I was like, "Hey, that's the magician guy." See, I'm a huge fucking fan of Pendulette. Like bullshit, all the stuff. Have seen him in Vegas. Listen to his podcast Sam, every single week. Seen him live, yeah. and I never put two and two together. But I was sitting there thinking about hackers, and was like, "Is that's that Pendulette behind the thing?" And then I watched it and went, "That's fucking Pendulette." How did I never? I've I've watched this movie. Probably thirty times at least. Yeah. Like I can quote it up, down, left, and right, and never put together that Pendulette is the guy at the Gibson that calls in with the tech is- issues. You know. And is sitting next to the antagonist at the end. For the, throughout the entire movie, anytime they're in the Gibson, he's just there hanging out. Yeah. And it's like okay. I was like, hey, wait, that's that dude. That's the magician guy. Yeah. That's all. But I knew him from like the Tonight Show. See, and, I, and I've, I've never I seen him. any of the Tonight But like show as stuff. a kid, because yeah. I was a kid, for some reason, I don't know why, I loved the Tonight Show when I was a kid. So I watched a shit ton of Jay Leno. Like, I remember like staying up late being like, can I watch Jay Leno? Or recording Jay Leno and Conan. It's, it's even how I discovered Seinfeld, really, because like the old episodes of Seinfeld were already in syndication between The Tonight Show and Conan 
when Seinfeld was still on the air, but the first couple seasons were already in syndication. <laughs> but, you know, it's right. one of those weird things. And then it moved to Letterman after Letterman, Seinfeld did. You know? Yeah. Um, um, where when, I was always a Letterman person, so. And Craig Kilborn and all that stuff. But, uh, man, Hacker, Hackers is one of those movies, like, I don't even know how hard of a crush I had on Angelina Jolie. As a teenager. With the worst fucking hair in that movie. I love the hair. <laughs> I love the fishnet shirts and the weird attitude and the, you know. Yeah. Like, I had a huge crush on Angelina Jolie in that movie. I think everybody did and does. Yeah. Specifically in that movie. Like, I don't know what it was about that movie. Like, Well, yeah. Well, my I have to say, probably my favorite, honestly, probably my favorite Angelina Jolie movie is uh, Original Sin. I've never seen that. Oh, you need okay. So the idea. Of so origi- every movie on earth, I still need to see. I'm sorry. Well, um, I'm not sure if it's on anything, but it's Antonio Banderas and Angelina Jolie. Oh, I remember seeing the trailer for this. Okay. And the idea of it is, is that Antonio Banderas is like this wealthy businessman who orders, does a mail order wife, and Angelina Jolie shows up, and it's supposed to be that. He's got like a super plain wife and, you know, they're both deceptive because he didn't tell her how much, didn't tell the wife how, how rich he was. And she didn't, she was like, oh, that's the same, you know, don't want to tell somebody how beautiful you are sort of thing there. And then both of them playing and perhaps she's trying to rip him off and, you know, all this stuff. But so I really enjoy that movie. It's a well-made yeah, mm. it's well put together. Great locations, like really enjoyed. So the mostly just it. that small of a cast. Um, they expanded out a little bit, but yeah, it, I mean, it's you know, sexual awakening, da 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 da, you know, sort of thing. But yeah, I think da 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 da. At most, that's the new you know yada 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 yada. Did you just yada yada sex? Yeah. Speaking of Seinfeld. Yeah. So, I really enjoy that movie. Probably have seen that one maybe a dozen times, but yeah. Yeah. We'll have to check it out. Original Sin. Yes. Um, on the list of movies where Justin's like, you should watch this. And I'm like, okay, 30 movies later. I'm like, okay. Look, uh, literally, we just need to start keeping tally of just... That That was honestly, you know, that was the problem with Vintage Stock is that every new person who showed up was just like, what movie should I watch? Okay, you should watch Primer. You should watch Brick. You should watch Brothers Bloom. You should watch Bronson. You should watch, you know, it was just going down, kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Like, there's... Um, I did, so, uh, speaking of the Peter Bogdanovich that I brought up earlier, uh-huh. yeah. uh, specifically, uh, Ryan Johnson mentioned, apparently, Paper Moon was a huge influence on the Brothers Bloom Nice. So I I need to check out both Brothers Bloom and Paper Moon because yeah, so. um, if I remember right, Peter Bagdanovich is in um, he's in The Sopranos. Well, he's in my favorite show, which is um, Out of Order with Eric Stoltz. I don't know. I've never seen that. So I have the movie version. <laughs> Basically, it was a um, it's from the same people who wrote Deep Blue Sea. Oh. And it, it's a married couple. This deepest blue is my head is like a shark speed. <laughs> Call back. Um, anyway, the the idea of it is that it's Eric Stoltz and uh, I can't remember the actress, but she 
the wife is depressed, not necessarily taking the pills. They're a screenwriting couple. He ends up cheating on his wife. Like, that's the series overall is like kind of drugs and he he views everything as um, a movie happening to him. So they have kind of that third, you know, the the meta commentary of like him talking and then the boom hits him on the head. He kind of looks at the guy like, what the fuck? And the guy, you know, kind of, oh, sorry, and he moves it up. Or he'll open up his uh, medicine cabinet and there'll be a cameraman standing there, you know, right there. He's know. just like, dude. Yeah, and dude. the whole thing is him a plea to his audience of whether or not he is guilty of adultery or whatever. And Showtime released six episodes. That was it. Like, ended on a big cliffhanger. Funny thing is, they have never released the series since it came out. Like, you can watch it in U- on YouTube in 10-minute chunks, unedited, from people who recorded it at the time, which I did, but I've lost my episodes. I don't know where they are. So they released a 90-minute movie version of the first episode, slightly re-edited. And huh. even on Hulu now, they, Hulu, you can watch Showtime. Out of order is not on there at all. It's one of like my great tragedies is like I needed I needed all these episodes. It has one of my favorite quotes about writing, which is butchered, but along the lines of um, they say you write what you know, but you don't know what you know until you write it. Yeah. And it's like, okay, cool. That makes sense. That helps me out. Yeah. So Nathan. Where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, they can find me at the same place as they normally do, which is on Twitter at NateWad, on Tumblr at NateWad Neutron. They can also find me on the Dubious Consumer Twitter page at Dubious Consumer. And they can find me on the Dubious Consumers Facebook page. Uh, just make sure if you're uh, wanting to address something directly to me, t- to tag Nathan in the in it so that I know it's directed towards me. Okay. Um, Skyler had to jet, so... Yeah. Um, He's eat dogs on the Instagram. And if you need to get a hold of him, just message Dubious Consumer and say it's for Skyler and we'll get it to him. Yeah. And it's actually S-C-H-U-Y-L-E-R. Yeah. Not S-K-Y, like most Skyler. Yeah, I, I, I saw it and went, I don't, I, I know his name's Skyler. I, I, so I remember so many butcherings, like Schuyler. Yeah. Teachers just being like, Schuyler, and he'd be like, Skyler, you know. So, I have a book out. It's called Of Gods and Madness, The Faithful. The Faithful. It is, um, you can find it easily at bit.ly forward slash ogamtf. Um, it is. You can also find me at justindheard.com, justindheard.net, justinheard.com, at justindheard, real justindheard on Facebook, justindheard author on Google+, justindheard on Pinterest, Instagram, Tumblr, author or amazon.com forward slash author forward slash justindheard. And basically, if you look for Justin D. Heard, you're going to find me. Just type in the Google. You're done. Yeah, you'll, you, you'll see plenty of images of me. I'm, I'm not pretty. But no, none of us are pretty. It's so, okay. That's probably why it's a good thing this is not a video podcast. Exactly. So um, check back with us next week. Our topic is top three trailer misleading trailers. So I know for a fact that Dingus is not going to be able to write in on this one because he doesn't watch trailers. 
<laughs> so or, or or they'll all be old older movies. Which, you know, is fair because we wouldn't have been able to know yeah. that they were misleading. Exactly. So okay. Bring it Th- <laughs> Thanks everyone. And Nathan, do you have a final thought? Oh my gosh. there was like a a kickstarter campaign where this technology that they invented was you basically you have a real old typewriter and you can you can type on this typewriter and it will appear directly on your ipad via bluetooth see um the thing i absolutely loved was last year going to pax and which um, is the penny arcade right that's the penny arcade Sorry, I'm trying to remember all this stuff. Yeah, which is coming up. I don't know if you're going to go, Skylar. The South one? Uh-huh. It's uh, last weekend in January. Last year, the t- tickets were 65 um, for three days. It's not that bad for a convention. It's on the weekend, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's... When is it again? Um, it's the final weekend in January, so... Uh, I don't know. That'll be the 29th through the 31st. Me and my wife's... Two year anniversary is in January on the 18th. Probably use all our money for that. She might go back to Seattle or go visit a friend up in Canada. Yeah. Where in Canada? She lives in a place called Dees Lake. It's in the middle of nowhere. That sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> she works for uh, Billy Graham's son, St. Paul's Samaritan's Purse, but she's out on like a First Nations reservation. Huh. They're like, what? She's like 30 miles away from like anything. Hello? Well, yeah, just, just talk into the microphone. Hello. We're just doing B-roll. So, hello. Okay. Hello. 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 <laughs> just keep talking. So she's on a First Nations. Resort. No, she's Kiowa, but um. No, but she's on a First. Nations. Yeah, First. They call them First Nations up that yeah. way. So. Instead of Indigenous. Yeah. <coughs> Nerdcon stories. Yeah, yeah. I actually, uh, based on that, I bought myself a copy, and my father's a huge Tolkien fan. Okay. He's read Lord of the Rings probably 40, 50 times. Since his youth up to now. <laughs> yeah. And and I was like, uh, you know, my dad probably needs, and he likes Ken Follett and some of those other, like, epic kind of writers. 
So I went ahead and got him. Uh, I haven't because I hadn't read it yet, but you had recommended it so heavily that I went ahead and got him a copy of The Name of the Wind. Yeah. So that's my son signing Mike McGee's book. This got stolen. My ba- I had a bag that got stolen. But I still have Mike Mickey's signature, so yeah. I got that. I have the other one. Microphones are free or I, something. I didn't get that one. I do have another one of his somewhere. And then yeah, I still have. That's the one I was talking about that I have the CD for you might want to steal. Ah, yes. Yeah. So. I'll have to bring my laptop. Hey, I still got your poetry book you made with the Embrace. Embrace. I still have that. Me, I've... I made one more solo one and then two collaborations with my buddy Rick Rubel. Yeah. Is that BookBeat guy still doing stuff? He still got a store? No. He is mostly just doing his music stuff as Bloody Old Mule now. He was making more money doing Bloody Old Mule than he was. Really? Yeah. See, I lost track of him whenever he moved to a new location, which I can never find. I kept thinking it was by Southgate, but I had no idea. Yeah, there was one that was on 59. The last location that he had was the hardest to find. It was on 59th Street in a shopping mall or in a shopping uh, a strip mall uh, with, unless you saw the BookBeat sign and the Jack Kerouac poster, you had no idea <laughs> it was fucking there. Hmm. But that was his last location. Well, I think it was they lost the lease because Advanced Auto Parts bought that that old the the skate the the skate location Mm. um, next to the golf course that was like right there. It was the best location they ever had. They had a big back space, had a big back storage space, and a huge open area for the store. And it was the best location Shiloh ever had. But I think it was one too expensive over the long run because the shows weren't generating enough money. They were generating sales, but they weren't generating enough money by themselves to... Well, you know, that's kind of like, um, there's a bookstore off of 23rd Street called yeah. Mike's Books. Have you seen that one? I've passed by it probably a billion times. Right, because he owns it, there's no regular hours. It's whenever he happens to be there. Wow. And it's like, okay, that's So basically he's paying for a storage space... <laughs> of all the books he owns, yeah, <laughs> he's independently wealthy. I would assume it's like, and it's, it's just kind of, it's kind of like some flea markets I've been to where there's people stuck in a section with books all around him. Like, have you ever left this flea market? You've been here since I was a kid. <laughs> Probably not. I walked into a bookstore in New York City, and the guy was stuck on you know behind the the desk with books like this, so you could only see his head, like, like right. <laughs> Did the cord die? Cord might. Okay, well, this is loose right here. So. What, what, the microphone's loose or the cord's loose. cord's loose? Hello. Okay, there I am. Okay. Here we are. We might have some intermittent audio problems with Mr. Kurt, <laughs> the leader of our podcast. Well, this I do have another microphone hidden around the corner there because Daryl was supposed to be here. Huh. Read my text at 2 o'clock. Because notifications. <laughs> because and, notifications. And then I sent him a um, message at 7 o'clock going like, you going to make it? No, I've had a busy day at work. Sorry, I didn't text you back. So. It happens. It of course, what's funny to me is like I always hate it, especially when I close and then people text me during the morning. Like, Mr. 
heard over here and I wake up and it's like an hour later and I'm like, great, he thinks I'm fucking ignoring him. No, no. (laughs) Honestly, I am really laid back whenever it comes to texts. My problem is is that I have my phone on me 24-7, so the moment I get a text, I'm like, click, 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 done. Like, which, which is great in one regard, but then you have, as I have mentioned before, I am now single. So I don't play the game very well. Whatever the game might be, it's like, oh, hey, this person randomly texts me in the middle of the night. Oh, hey, how's it going? Like, I, I wake up, for, you know, actually, that doesn't work because I do put my phone on do not disturb between 10 and 5 a.m., I think. Yeah. So if I get a text during that, that means I'm on my phone and we'll see it. Yeah. But unless I've just randomly left my phone around the house somewhere... Like, I will respond within 30 seconds to anybody. If it's been 30 minutes, I don't, you know. That means I do not have my phone on me, and as soon as I get my phone, I will be playing it. Or, you know, I will be (laughs) responding to you. Which I think might be a (laughs) turnoff. I'm too readily available. Well, I think it's called uh, your dad, so you're also used to that, like... Oh, I also used to be a store manager. Yeah, so so you have to be ready at any time somebody yeah. calls me. That's yeah. that's the weird thing is that um, I now sell life insurance. So yeah, please don't start selling it on the. I'm podcast. not. I'm not going to. Um, the only <laughs> this th- podcast brought to you by <laughs> Baker's Life for you, 65 and up, with All your right, Medicare supplements. Stop. <laughs> I'm, t- I'm speaking Stop. to a non-existent group. <laughs> okay. There is nobody that is 65 and up listening to us say fuck. Hey, there might be. You okay. never know. Hey, you're awesome. Email me. We want you on the show. He will apologize to you directly. I, I will. One person. I fucking, well, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, speaking of the, the insurance thing, not trying to sell it, they done fucked me up because um, I went out. Normally, we train in Wichita, and it's a three or two and a half day training. Instead, because they were trying to get me into the group faster, um, based off whenever I signed up with them and finished my exam and all that stuff, they sent me out to Kansas City for supposed to be three days. Turned out it was a five-day thing, and they had me leave on the fourth day. And they taught us the old way of doing it, which is needs-based transactions with a full binder where you go through the whole thing, make it relevant to the person, and then move it back. I come back, and they want me to do a transaction-based approach that has none of that stuff I was taught how to do. Did you tell them that? Yes, I have. Huh. They know full well. They did not retrain me. Instead, they just said, have a good week, and we'll see you back on, or, you know, you'll run your appointments Maybe you should contact and be like, hey, uh, when's the next training class for the actual training? I will go. Well, um, <laughs> one, of the, one of the, and that I, I might well end up doing that. But I ended up talking to one of the people who was there with me, and I was just like, they don't have, they have the binders, but they don't have all the paperwork I need to build my binder. Like, I, I'm floundering here because I'm used to a needs-based approach, and there's literally so little in there that yeah. I, can't, I can't go, what this means to you is X. Can you see how that would be important to you? Yes. Cool. We go to the next slide until I get to the point that I'm like, okay. So, whenever you try to get them to sign up for the app, you kind of go, 
okay, cool, you know, let's go for that. And if they go, well, I'm not really sure. Wait, did I, I must have screwed up somewhere because you've said that this is important to you. And okay, let me start at the beginning, you know, hmm. that sort of thing where you're showing. Because the thing with life insurance. <laughs> Is everything good there? Yes, everything is good. Okay. Um, the thing with life insurance, and Nathan showed me this earlier, nobody gives a fuck unless you show them a reason why. It's not, it's not like a car. It's not like a video game. People come in, go in for, whenever you go to a car dealership, you're looking for a car. They know that. Life insurance is, hey, you know that death thing? <laughs> and, and that, <laughs> that inevitable enterprise. Well, and our, the thing I'm really trying to get, you know, just telling all my friends, like, get this critical illness policy now because it's so cheap. Compared to, like... Yeah, I mean... If, if, you're, if you end up... Say you're, uh, you're 40, you end up with an autoimmune disorder because you have the genetic propensity, you end up in the hospital for six eight weeks right you know because of something terrible happens to you. well uh, well the, the big thing is is that um right now the statistic is one in three males are going to get have either cancer heart attack stroke or in-state renal failure so we're all fucked exactly uh one in two females are going to get it right now for our age group it's 20 bucks a month you get to what my target group is which is 65 and up it's a hundred bucks a month Mm, high um, risk. Uh, uh, well, yeah. they're high, yeah. They're. And but the thing is, is what our po- what our policy does, not to, not selling it, but it just not selling it. It just pays out a lump sum as opposed to doing a, you know, oh, we're going to pay a percentage of your costs. Yeah. So the idea there is, you can use it for whatever you want. If you want to use it to try and treat it, cool. If you want to go on, la- have twenty thousand dollars to go on one last vacation. There you are. We don't care. Your policy's just terminated the moment we pay it out. Yeah. Because you have cancer. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> wow. Such such nice, gentle convenience. Well, we just gave you twenty thousand dollars. Aw. We just gave you seventy five thousand dollars. Your so, contract is terminated. Um, and not me selling because I don't even know if we can do this, but I'm having to, because I have been unemployed for a certain amount of time. I'm going to be able to, or my life insurance thing, you know, the people I'm trying to get through life insurance are like, oh, hey, here's this thing. It's like 20 bucks a month. You get $250 for every day you're in the hospital and can't work. $250 a day for every day. Okay, that sounds great. I talked to one of my clients. And she's like, I was like, yeah, mine's like $250 a day. And she goes, oh, mine's $60 a day. I was like, okay, so you can't afford to have that $315 a day Medicare expense, you know, sort of thing. Hmm. So get it now, people. That's all I'm saying. You don't have to buy it through me. Just look into it. (laughs) My wife's got it because she's with the Chickasaws. Right, right. And And that's a whole other thing. I won't talk about it, but yeah. I mean, that's pretty well covered there. Um, and even people with the VA, it's pretty well covered. The biggest thing is at that point, it's just long-term and short-term care. And there's only a limited number of beds for the VA. I'm not sure about with the tribe and everything. Just go wherever you want, really. Right. It's just a matter yeah. of like the VA in uh, Wichita, Kansas only has eight beds for long-term care. Dang. And the waiting period is a hundred and, uh, or is a, sorry, is a year and a half. Which mm. is, You'll at be this dead, point, right? at this point, I mean, that's literally... 
ludicrous yeah. that we even have those type of policies in effect. Because, I mean, that generation is not getting any younger. And most of them are getting past the age of being able to take care of themselves. Yeah. So the fact that the VA is not, one, being restructured to deal with that concept. Right. There are a lot of veterans over the age of 80. Yeah. You know, like you got to deal with that. You got to restructure the whole organization to deal with the. The World War II generation is almost gone. I know, but. But they're still there. But the thing is, is they're there. The Korean War generation is there. The Vietnam War generation is there. So it's. I mean, the the biggest thing I've heard is that. Every decade has its generation of veterans. So, like. Even not ones who didn't even fight, like peacetime veterans and all that. But the thing is, is the 80s, there wasn't peacetime. We were in all sorts of activities. You know, we just weren't at war. Yeah. You know, we were in a cold war, and then we were in a bunch of hot, uh, extra basically conflicts, conflict, yeah, policing conflicts around the world through the eighties and nineties. Uh, I mean, up until you know, and that's the weird part. So, speaking of strange things that uh, happened this week, so I realized the middle school students that I substituted for, uh, all of them are born after September 11th happened. What the fuck? Yeah. That's all weird. of them? Like all of them. You said seventh, middle school, eighth. right? Yeah. 6th, 7th, 8th. Okay. Yeah. That those, that makes sense. It's yeah. those aren't kids of our generation though, right? No, kind of They're like, another generation. They're Of course I kind of found out the millennials is like a 15 year gap there. Well the the thing is is we're technically millennials. I know and that's the thing that disturbs me. Which makes no sense to me because I'm like I hate millennials too. But the thing is is Why why are you a self-hating millennial? Because I'm not a millennial. These kids are the millennials. They're born after the millennium. They're born I think the idea is that we technically we we grew up at the millennium rather you know it's just it's the weird thing to be the old man on my lawn, you know, get off my lawn sort get of thing. Is it, our generation is actually kind of has a very weird curve to it because we went from having no technology to technology. Well, no, we had technology. No, well, it's not that we didn't have any technology, but we we're on the cusp of you know the eighties with CD players, then well, moving tape. And CD then, players, VHS, yeah, uh, records have kind of died in the early nineties, well, and then they've, they're back now. Well, they our yeah. generation is the ones that are making all the new technology. But but yeah. the thing is, is that we we remember a time where there was no internet. Yeah, you know, or at least a not well, not have, a public consumption we have a version. Childhood of it. where the Before, internet was not right in existence, and then internet point one and then and then we had internet point one where we were i was using prodigy to you know play games on like and that's what 91 yeah something like that you know like you've already you're already six or seven years old instead of you know right (laughs) like like you're having a totally different experience and then then we we went from dial-up to broadband in our time yeah we went from Normal CD play, portable CD players to portable CD players that play MP3 CDs to MP3 players to now everybody has streaming services on their phone. Right, and you know, but it's it's just the thing. Like we've gone through multiple technologies, and even a point before where we were we did not have technology as part of our daily activities. Like we had we had Super Nintendo, (coughs) cool, but. They were more. It wasn't it, your whole day. Most it wasn't of the time. your whole day. You know, I remember 
you know, I remember at least in my neighborhood, which I know was right next door to yours, yeah. was, you know, half of the houses weren't there, so we were playing basically in sewers and yeah. running around in the streets. Or just walking around, right? going you know, to the playground, messing around with stuff. Walking around to the next neighborhood, seeing what our buddies were up to over see, there. See, I see. I remember <clears throat> Daryl, myself, and Josh, um, Jacket. However, you say his name. Uh, we always called him Josh Jackass. I don't remember. Uh, he was really into Sailor Moon. Um, yeah, yeah I, I don't remember. remember okay, you guys all. may not. That was just one of those. But I remember us being out, standing in the middle of the street, watching for cars coming by. Like Ty was part of this as well. Um, but like doing like Dragon Ball Z like fake battles in the middle of the street oh, using purely imagination sort yeah. of stuff. Well, I mean, we would do that stuff. Uh, or backyard on, wrestle. Yeah. <laughs> well, that that was that well, was definitely we did that stuff on more on the playgrounds and more on. Yeah, you know, but, I, but ours was in the doing the street. fake. You know, Spider Man. <laughs> back when Spider Man was a, just the cartoon of the the nineties cartoon. And you would try and imitate the crazy jumps and leaps and stuff. You know, there were two game generations that wowed me. And I haven't been wowed since. That was when Nintendo went to Super Nintendo. And then when I saw <clears throat> the first 3D game for me was Mario 64, I was like, wow. And after that, I haven't been wowed. I've just That's been a like, long time. I've been just That's like, a man, long time. Been like, these games are fun. <laughs> you know, they're just fun. They're awesome, but... Seen Mario run around 3D was mind blowing, really. But anyway, well, 64 was such a big game change. That yeah. that was a completely awful console when it came down it was, to the end it. Was it was awful, but like the the thing is, is the I nice games, but the idea though, it had like three nice games, you know. But the idea of the types of environment, <laughs> the types of environments that they were going with. I mean, how long did the <laughs> PS2 last? Because of that change, the 64 bit. PS2, that's well, still the highest selling console of all time. With the most games on it. It's yeah. crazy. I mean, think of how big 64-bit was just... That was the, that was one of the biggest leaps. And then... I mean, that's... The, there were computers running, soft, running software in the 60s that didn't even have 64-bits yet. Right. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, this... I mean, there, there's just amazing things that we've gotten to the point. And also, I mean, the big change between paper to everything's got to be tight. Everything goes from typed on a typewriter by our parents to everything is word processed or typed on a computer to now everything is on your phone or on your iPad. You know, so, like, so, so I, I do have to mention something. I was recently reading a book. Um, it's Dean Koontz's Strangers. It was actually written in like nineteen or released in nineteen eighty six, something like that. There's a the, the entire idea for one of the characters is that he thinks he's sleepwalking or you know some weird shits happening to him. And as a writer, and I'm sure you'll feel this exact same way, um, Nathan, that since I motioned to him and. Not to Skyler. Um, it's not a video podcast. It's not. <laughs> we need to work on that. We've got now got a prime space for a video camera just to stare at us. Yeah. Ooh. So now everybody know we do these in the nude. We don't. Uh, no. <laughs> anyway. So. At, <laughs> anyway. So Skyler is metaphorically throwing the dick down. <laughs> as as I was saying, the, the entire plot line is the idea is that. He may be sleepwalking, 
and he receives a letter that's kind of threatening, and he's looking at it, and he realizes it's done on a word processor. And he's looking at it, and he's going through the different spools with the different fonts to try and figure out which one it is. Turns out it's Courier New. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Which he (laughs) (laughs) tied... The most ubiquitous form of word processor font. Right. And he has to go as... And he is a writer. He is a writer of novels that are out. And he has to go through three different spools to figure out that it's Courier New. I'm sitting here going, what the fuck, man? Really? Like, how is this like a 20-page plot point? Because there are lots of people who have never written a book in in the world. Yeah. And especially... Think, think this was probably written in what 89 90 no 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 it was uh, it was it came out in 86 if i remember okay. right so 86 so, so, so ubiquity the ubiquity of a word processor is still kind of low but the and how many people knew that every script in hollywood was written in courier new here's my problem though is that every script right <laughs> and every book um every manuscript was at that time um, but my here, here's my problem is that the it's a writer writing for a writer character who is using a word processor and can't figure out that it's Courier New. Even though he probably looks at Courier New every day. Yeah, That's and kind of, that is and and, and here, here's the here's the extra step going based off your idea uh, or your thought process of well they don't realize how ubiqu- ubiquitous it is. Is that how many people in 1986 are going to go? I know what Courier New is. Probably not very many. Exactly. So why spend the time <laughs> dedicating that much to that that thought process to it the character? Been, it must have been a really like he just had a blast. <laughs> like he's like he's just they're just typing. Just like oh, that's just hilarious. I'm dying. I'm killing myself. It's one of those kill your darlings moments. Yeah, like it, he probably loved writing that twenty, thirty pages, and the editor should have just been like, "Dean, Dean, it's a two pager. This is a two page." Dean story. can write boo on a napkin; it'll sell me. <laughs> sell not, a but but not as well as Stephen King can write boo on a napkin, <laughs> or Joe Hill at this point. Yeah. Okay. Joe Hill could write. Boo, motherfucker. And it would probably <laughs> sell a million copies. 